Alrighty, welcome back to another exciting episode of the Information Revolution, a podcast for people working with information. My name is Michael Upton. Uh, I'm an information management consultant based in New Zealand. And I'm Judy Verno, and I'm an information architect, also in New Zealand. And I'm Carl Melrose. I work for Castle Point Systems in Canberra. Small disclaimer that my views are my own. So, Michael, what are we here for today? Uh, so, last time we talked a little bit about taking specific actions, getting you know, getting change underway, but always with that context of the bigger picture. So, we thought it was useful to actually go back to that point, basically, and say, well, how do you get the bigger picture and what does that take? Um, and uh, we have touched on these kinds of topics before. I think we settled on a phrase establishing the information landscape, which sounds nice to me. So I thought I'd uh, kick things off with Judy if you had somewhere to begin. (laughs) (laughs) Over the rainbow. Um, Yeah, I like the term information landscape. I mean, I think there's there's two aspects to the bigger picture. Um, There's the information landscape, but then there's also uh, the people landscape, if you like. Um, But let's focus on the the information side of it for now. Um, Both of those fit into what I think of as the discovery phase, just finding out what's going on, getting that bigger picture, as you've you've said. Um, And there's lots of reasons for doing that, but I think it's quite hard to to do those tactical things unless you've got a good sense of what's out there in terms of where your content is, what it is, what it's about, all of that stuff. It's really hard to, to know how valuable any particular tactical effort is going to be. So it depends. It depends a bit on what's on your mind about getting the bigger picture. I mean, it could be that you're worried about compliance or risk or um, just generally managing your content, improving findability. But I, I think that. There's a discovery piece to be done, which is fairly neutral around that. I mean, where you where you choose to do your deeper dive will depend on the buttons that are being pressed by what you find. But it's it's you can do a relatively easy piece of discovery, I think. Um, just understanding what well, I said just now, where your content is, what it is, how much of it there is, and there's loads of tools out there that let you do that. I think, I mean, from my observation, there are loads of organizations that just kind of plow ahead without really understanding what's where. Like, you've got shared drives, but what are they? What's on them? How much is there? Who uses them? I mean, obvious stuff, but but organizations often don't ask those questions until it comes to crunch time when they're trying to do a migration from what's there into a new system, say, for example, and then they realize that the stuff's all over the place. It would be better to know that, you know, way ahead of time. And then you can decide what your priorities are for how you deal with those different parts. Um, so, I mean, there's lots of tools that you can use, some of which are free, actually some of which may be connected with certain people on this call. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but just just doing that scan of 
of what's in your systems, assuming that all your stuff is in your systems and not in those files in your desk or something, or in that filing cabinet over there, which is also a possibility. Um, you could you can do a lot of useful finding out in just a very few days, I think, to provide a first view of the the very big picture of your organisation and what's where. Um, I mean, even in well, we've done gigs of like five days, just running some basic tools across network drives, doing some SharePoint analysis, for example. Um, and looking at the other major systems and coming up with a really high-level diagram that just gives you, everybody, a good sense of, as I say, what's what's where. The different systems involved, where some of the overlaps are, can be pretty shocking. I've never done one of those without a senior person going, oh, I didn't realise that we'd still got all that stuff from a previous organisation, you know, that split out from us three years ago and we've still got it all, for example. I didn't realise that we had three systems that are all storing this overlapping information. These kinds of things. I didn't realise that all the stuff in... I didn't realise how much... Um, uh, how many documents our people had on their home drives? It's still, That's... you know, it's just you can you can come up with some very interesting stuff, but you need to know what's there, don't you think? Mm, for sure. Uh, a couple of things that specifically come to mind that I, I see over and over is that in initial conversations about any kind of a migration between systems where people are going to work with documents um people tend to go oh yeah we've got this thing over here like we've basically we've got an edrms over here and we're going to move to this other thing over here and typically you have to scratch the surface before you know 99 percent of people go oh but most people are just working on shared drives <laughs> you know like yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah yeah so yeah it's so common that actually it is the day-to-day -day activities and you know um real document management in terms of most of its life cycle is occurring somewhere else that yeah. often in the start of conversations is not even mentioned, which um yeah and I always find absolutely. kind of illuminating and, and these for guys, multiple reasons. Sorry. And these guys over here are having to use Dropbox because they're trying mm. to communicate with third yeah. parties and they have no internal method of doing that. Yeah, and you put them in a position shocking. where you've told them that they have to that, that they have to communicate with external people and you've told them that they can't use Dropbox and your policy says that they can't use email because it's not secure and so they're sitting there oh. scratching their heads going, what do we use? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I as, a, as a general question, the, the, the general sort of um, flavour of some of the stuff you're talking about is the, the basic idea about what are the assumptions underlying your project, you know, and it seems like if you don't go and actually do a current state assessment, then what you're actually doing is you're saying here is our current state, but the current state's a figment of your imagination. Yeah, exactly. That's that's um, that's exactly right. It's very well put. Yeah, you're and, guessing. And, I mean, you're guessing. What, but what what do you think the general level of awareness, particularly with senior people, is about the state of information management in their organisations? I think they generally think it's about retention and disposal. <laughs> um, 
I think that, I mean, in my experience, the senior people usually talk up a good story about, um, yeah, we treat information as an asset. I mean, we've said this before, haven't we? Treat it as an asset, Mm -hmm. but they don't really think about what that means. They don't think about um, how that needs to be stored, how it needs to be accessed. Are people really finding what they need. I mean, that's the other side of the discovery piece. Are people finding, we've talked about this a lot too, are people finding what they need? Is it easy to find what they need? I mean, that could be the second part of your discovery phase. Uh, how well is the is the information landscape serving them? But but if you don't know what that landscape even looks like, it's really it's really hard to think about how you can improve it and I think also when it comes to migration I've seen organizations often frequently just not put enough thought into that and and this whole lift and shift uh, expression comes into play where they think you know you take oh yeah we've got it well we've got it in SharePoint already but we want to move it into 365 so we'll do a lift and shift yeah that no, just no, <laughs> because you're just recreating the horrors that you had before. Why, why are you moving? Well, I suppose because t- 2007 isn't supported anymore or something. But, you know, um, this is your opportunity. But, I mean, it, that's kind of the flavour right. of the month. Yeah, yeah. That's sort of the flavour of the month conversation at the moment. I mean, the number of organisations I talk to that are, oh, we're just going to, you know, move our – everything off our file servers into SharePoint online. You know, one, one, one organization, we're going to move 857 terabytes of, you know, into, into SharePoint online. And, you know, that, that's sort of the, the, the internal discussions about whether, whether, that can, whether that can happen. But, I mean, it's every, that's every agency that I talk to at the moment. You know, they're all trying to get off their shared drives and looking at Microsoft yeah. 365 as some kind of panacea. But, I mean, it's... I think they're going f- <laughs> to. I I, I, mean, I can't see how it. If I were to play devil's advocate, I'd say they wouldn't be making it worse, but it's just such a lost opportunity, you know. It's just like yeah, you're not making it worse because saying. yeah, because at least you've got a search, yeah, you know, some search capability which you don't really have on the shared drives. But I think that's about the size of it. If all you're doing is just throwing stuff into 365. I know you've got all those other features and functionalities, but but that almost just makes it worse again, even though it looks like it's really helping, because you've got all those other places, you know, your team sites and that are proliferating at a huge rate. And then you've got the chat and people storing stuff there. And I mean, I'm finding this at the moment somewhere. Um, where was that document? I think it was in the chat. I think it was put in the chat, but I don't know where it's stored in SharePoint and I don't know which chat it comes from. And it's just, yeah, anyway, it's that's, the, the, that's the, it's in the chat. Yeah. Yeah, it's in the sorted. chat by default. It's in someone's OneDrive, you know, it's in the person, you know, if someone shared it from outside yeah. of 365 into a, chat, into a Teams chat. Yeah, that, I mean, to me, that, that worries me. Yeah. And a bunch of the things I usually hear people worrying about three six five. I think there's a lot of defaults that invite the use of silos. But anyway, that, I mean that's that's. I mean that that, that is the traveling off topic. Any kind, any kind of migration from um, 
a file server into Microsoft 365. It is all the extra, you know, and you guys know I love the extra tools. You know, I just think, I think that's the big unexploited opportunity of Microsoft 365. But it's all of those other tools. You, you pick this stuff up and you drag it into a document library and then you drag your 857 terabytes into a document library and then you wait, you know, 18 months while it copies across because however big your link is, that's a, that's a long time. Um, but then how do people actually work with that stuff? Yeah. You know, um, because, I mean, some of those basic things about establishing cultures, about, you know, sending links instead of trying to trying to send actual documents and those sorts of things. I mean, it just, to me, it just invites, at least a file server is relatively contained in that sort of sense of it just stores things, you know, whereas you take put it into, micro, into Microsoft 365 and you have so much more capability, there's so much more sprawl, so much more capacity to essentially generate a more complex mess than you've got. And yeah, that's so that that's, totally that's a really good phrase. Yeah, a more complex mess. I think that's a really good uh, description yeah. of it. Unless you're, yeah, unless you're careful, and it's not. And, and, and I, it, I think it tails. Sorry, and I think it tails into what you said as well about you know how well is the information landscape serving people. Well, you know, does moving it onto Microsoft three six five give you an information landscape that is serving people better? And if it's a more complex mess. I'd argue you've just taken a really high capability platform that could be absolutely brilliant for the way people work, and you've your the your the way your information landscape serving people has gone from here, where people are quite happy with the file server and able to find things, to here where now they could find things, but now some stuffs in chat, some stuffs in another team, some stuffs in you know, a document library that they've set up somewhere else so they can have special metadata and, you know, whatever. Yeah, abso- absolutely. Absolutely. That's entirely fair. Uh, yeah. So that's that's kind of designing the future state. But you need to – we need to also find out about um, not just what's in um, the main repository, like an old SharePoint or whatever it is, but it, or shared drives, but – what else is out there as well, and how does that tie in, if it does, with what's in your records system, and what are the overlaps there? Because there's there's generally not just shared drives. There's generally loads of other stuff about the place, including that filing cabinet, including those CDs where they've been storing stuff that you know everybody's forgotten about in that filing cabinet over there. So. You need to know what all of those things are if you're really trying to kind of move, do a big move to the glorious new future. You need to find out about all of those things. And also, I mean, not just if you're migrating, but also if you're trying to minimize risk, um, if you're trying to, um, well, I mean, obviously improve your findability and all that stuff, but um, improve your compliance. You need to know what's what's where, and then have your plan for what you're going to do about it. And so you need to know a fair bit about each um, information set. I tend to call them information set, like that set of contracts that's in that desk over there, um, as well as the set of contracts that's actually on the shared drives, as well as the set of contracts that's actually in SharePoint at the moment. 
you need to do something different with each of those because, I mean, they are different in themselves. And if you want to get everything nicely into the new environment, each of those is going to need a different action to get it into the new world. So you need to identify each of them, if you see what I mean. Mm. I mean so how that do you, you go know about, what action to take. How do you go about sorting out that the authority problem on the on those sorts of things at scale? And what I you know, and if that's not a clear question for people who are watching, you know, just that problem of which document has authority. So if you've got, you know, multiple mm. sets of contracts, you know, which which version of a document is the authoritative one? Yeah, it's a question. I mean, it's a question I keep bumping into, and for me, it's a people and process question. But I mean, you'd probably be in a position where you're sorting out those sorts of things regularly. How how do you approach that? Well, we don't, do we? I mean, <laughs> we have to talk to the to the subject matter experts, to the owners. Well, that's yeah. And there's another thing. You see, who owns these documents or? data sets or you know whatever they are who owns these information objects which we probably don't know but if we can do some kind of a landscape then maybe we can assign owners to these different information sets and then work with them to work out what the authoritative set is or what stays and what goes um what the what the rot is you know that old redundant outdated trivial thing so what can get what can get scrapped? I mean, that's that's kind of getting into longer, yeah, um, longer-lasting activities there to work through all of that. Just thinking about the, the the getting a basic sense of the landscape in the first place, so that you can then decide what needs to be dug into, what your priorities are now that you've got a good overview. And how do you generally how do you generally approach that with your organisations? Um, so some very simple diagrams with senior people saying this is what it looks like at the moment, and that usually generates quite enough discussion. Oh, so why why is that over there? Why have we got so much? I never realised we had quite so much. I don't know. Uh, so many so many uh, images. Why are all those images on the file server over there? Oh well, actually, they're you know all the all the images from the Christmas party for the last twenty years or something. Um, but it usually throws up enough points of interest to get uh, engagement and to discuss then. But it needs to be at a senior level in order to get how, anywhere. How, how senior is senior? Um, well, it depends on your organisation, doesn't it? Mm. Um, Always. Size thing, yeah. in my experience, like size of the organisation. I mean, yeah. I mean, you're going to get, depends on that, yeah, depends on the structure, but you're already going to have to engage engaged with a senior IT person in order to be allowed to rummage around. <laughs> so hopefully he or she is going to be involved in this discussion. The head of your information management should be involved in that but then it depends on your your structure and you know how they report in and so on but whoever they report to would be good to have in that discussion too so yeah depends on the size of your organization be great if it was someone at board level but you might be a bit lucky to get that Mm. what do you think carl yeah look i i think it's the 
yeah, it's one of these great questions without an easy answer, isn't it? Yeah. You know, it's, which is why which is why I asked. Um, I mean, I, I think the the information literacy problem, yeah, you know, is is a real problem higher up in lots of organisations. People people don't get people often don't get just exactly what they're giving up by having people working in a mess, and. When I when I when I sell projects to people, it's always to solve a problem. You know, sometimes sometimes it's because people, you know, they're just looking to you know buy a category of thing. You know, we want a new EDRMS. Um, but you know, generally it's to solve a problem. But the problem's got to be pretty significant. You know, because n- nobody nobody who works in our industry and no soft almost no software in our industry is you know what you'd call cheap. And we're generally working with government, so there's generally a process to go through before somebody will actually spend some money. And so, you know, there generally needs to be a pretty significant perception of a problem there. But yeah. so, you know, I mean, for me, it just kind of needs to be at that level where you've got someone who has enough authority to actually be able to spend money, yeah. but also a broad enough view that they can start to understand some of the overlapping problem sets that they're dealing with that, that they've got in their information landscape. There's always, as you say, there's always going to be that driver. Sometimes it isn't a problem. Well, yeah, it's not so much a problem as a desire to do better, which is not, yeah, which is a slightly different thing. Mm. But, um, I mean, yeah, some of the the discovery work that I've done has been driven by um, an identified risk or a breach, actually. So, oh, my God. Something terrible has happened. We need to do better in future. Um, it's rarely driven by non-compliance uh, with retention and disposal. I find, but but mostly, I guess, knowing that you've got to move from an old environment to a new one. So I'd say, um, oh, and yeah, another very large organisation that was that got that um, had a lot of data coming in, they would do work on it, data goes out, and they realised that actually they had no way of tracking what was in the organisation, where it was, what was happening to it, that flow. So that actually um, was driver for a a big piece, a six-month piece of work with four of us, tracking every every piece of information around the organisation, not just that data flow they realised they needed to get a much better handle on it. Oh, so there's huge. lots of, there's, uh, uh, yeah, there's lots of drivers. But, as, yeah, as I say, usually it's something something bad has happened when, or something bad could happen because our system is just going out of support, frequent one, or occasionally we realise we're not doing things as efficiently as we could be and our I've talked about the business analysts, you know, the um, business intelligence people, they really need to mm. be able to do their work better. So it's an improvement. I see yeah. that as a, as a more of a driver at the moment. And I think that, that whole, mm. I mean, you've yeah. brought that one up before, Judy, as an idea of, mm. you know, one thing you can do, go and talk to people who basically need to definitely sort of exploit, <laughs> exploit the asset, if you like, you know. And yeah. So yeah, it's yeah. like, well, you know, that to me seems like a really uh, great starting point in terms of this landscape stuff is going, well, 
what information are you drawing on and where is that and how does that fit together how much of that is there and what how's it structured and all that kind of stuff yeah yeah and what problems are you having with it and certainly i'm seeing um like 100 percent in in central government in, in new zealand uh that increasing thing of you know one set of information being used across organisations, um, you know, basically talking about information sharing or data sharing, you know, those kinds of agreements and all of that fun and games. And so that that um, yeah, I was thinking of that um, before you mentioned that that was one situation you'd been involved in, uh, Judy, where you know discovery work to me often um, needs to extend to checking. Or, you know, it's, it's a useful thing that you can often find out very quickly. Where does information come from somewhere else, basically? Like, where does, yeah. um, particularly, you know, I think it's very valuable to know that for the, the more daily transactional stuff. Like, are we pulling a bunch of information that's critical to just doing day-to-day jobs from, you know, from some external source? Well, what is that, you know? Because that, that's another classic thing that people neglect when they're trying to do a, a see see the landscape i suppose you know mm. because it's not it's not on my shared drive it's in someone else's um data feed or something that we're we're pulling into a system yeah yeah and it's it's interesting to me how quickly we get into questions about how people are organizing and managing their work Because that's how my, that's, that's how my brain I th- works. I just always want to go and see what people are doing, and then I want to know what yeah. the information is hanging off that. But I, as, you know, to your starting point, Judy, of basically running some tools and things like that's that's so fast, you know, so effective. For it is finding out yeah. a good amount very quickly. So you know, yeah. uh, it does make sense to me. It's just I always that's in my head. It's always like, cool, got that out of the way. Off we go. <laughs> Do the bit that I like (laughs) yeah sure yeah they are they are quick and easy and you can get a an astonishing amount of information out of them these days and and you and these days actually they also produce their own beautiful looking diagrams some of them um but yeah some really basic diagrams uh and and statistics of course Mm. all the I mean, just simple stuff like all the different file extensions that you've got. And you look down the list and you go, well, I've got no idea what those are, and no, nor is anybody else. So what are we going to do about that? And then someone comes along and says, oh, yeah, they were exports from a, file, from a system that we had like 10 years ago. And we don't, they were just stored there. Nobody cares about them anymore. We can just get rid of them under our retention and disposal. Sure. <laughs> we can now properly dispose of them. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But it's the finding out that's the key thing, and just getting that sense of uh, of the whole of the whole picture, so that. And as I say, as I, yeah, it usually throws up some interesting things for um, following through and doing a deeper dive. think it'd be very quick to if you've got those kind of sets so you had the example of different sets of contracts um Mm. almost do a sort of a add an extra column to your table if you like of saying 
what do I think the future might be for those things? And then, yeah, you know, to link this all the way back to the start, if you're in that in that context of trying to get a few tactical pieces of work done and uh, so on, um, you could at least sort of have a sense check of, okay, well, if the solution for this tactical problem, you know, uh, is one thing, does that line up at all with what the big picture is telling me, or you know, or the landscape that I'm kind of hoping to get to? Yeah, which might sound very basic, but kind of because it is. But I guess well, I just emphasise that it's very important. It I think. Yeah, yeah. it, it, and, and it, it is basic, be big, right? Yeah, it is basic. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You can, it, uh, like um, I say, you can get the, the fundamentals in a week. You can do a huge amount in a month with, with yeah, just you know think, one person and some tools and some support tools. You know, I feel like people sort of create a very black and white view of like you're faffing around and we've got to get on with it versus um sorry no that's not really what they do um i think people think the value of discovery is hard yes it's hard to justify thank you that's really all i'm thinking people think it people think it's not the doing but it's kind of like you know (laughs) and and it's like orienteering Right, and and they it's think like, it's like orienteering, it you know, massive. figuring out where you are. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's it's not just that the value doesn't look right, but people think are fearful that it's huge. You know, like oh my gosh, we're gonna what? Why we have to spend six months? You know, to understand all this stuff. It's like no, no, we're not saying that at all. Like, no, no, no. How about time box that sucker and you know just see what you can do in a day yeah. or see what you can do in a week or you know yeah and, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It, you know, it is an understood thing that you need to invest in design, right? Like it's understood the value of investing in design so that you don't build a thing that's not fit for purpose. Well, okay, academically that's well understood. But how can you design something if you don't understand the requirements? And what are yeah. what are the requirements except, you know, this landscape we're talking about really, you know? I mean, sorry, you can well, say he, this at a, a different angle, but that's kind of how I think about it. He, here's, a, here's a good question for you. How, how can you help people understand the difference between good design and bad design? And th- this is this is on the back of a, I was I was talking to a friend of mine a little while ago who um, who, who had bought bought a, an information architecture engagement for, from someone who is definitely not on this call. Um, <laughs> and essentially what they got was a template. Oh, and right. And they were very, unha- very unhappy about that. Yeah. Um, but so how, how do you, which you now brings in this whole question of, you know, how, how, do you, how do you understand what good design looks like versus what bad design looks like? I think that's, a subject for a whole other podcast, <laughs> <laughs> or three, <laughs> or ten. Yeah, great. So uh, that's probably enough for today. I think we definitely will come back to the concept of design or how that design aspect works, because to me, in terms of the flow of a lot of information, sort of project work, and definitely establishing an architecture or redefining an architecture, you're um. You know, it naturally flows from discovery to design, right? It's kind of figuring out what is the thing that we do next. How now that we've you know understood the current state, 
So, yeah, so we'll definitely come back around to that. Um, if anyone has any specific things they'd like to hear or wants to get involved in this podcast, then please do reach out to any of us. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you soon. Cheers. Cool. Bye.